Hallelujah. It's good to be back. How many of you were here last week? Can I see a raise of hands? Okay, if you weren't here, I encourage you to catch up on our series that we've been doing, looking at the leadership, uh, School of Leadership. And especially last week, I looked at, what did I look at? Those of you who were here, what did I look at last week? Sorry, thanks, Cindy. <laughs> leadership principles from Jesus. Last week we were looking at leadership principles from Jesus, and I'm going to continue with that today. How many of you can remember specifically what we looked at about a principle from Jesus last week? Okay, let me help you. Jesus was mission-minded. Okay, Jesus was mission-minded. And we also need to be mission-minded because if we're mission-minded, we know who to say, what to say no to and what to say yes to. And we have an idea of what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And that is a two-sentence summary of last week. Get the message if you weren't here. Amen. On website. Yeah, website. www.gochurch.co.za. You can download it from there. Okay. This week I'm continuing and I'm looking at specifically Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit and how Jesus was conceived, anointed, empowered, and led, and a lot of other things by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived, anointed, empowered, and led by the Holy Spirit, and we also need the Holy Spirit as people. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, and he needed the Holy Spirit, so we need the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to pray before I start. Father... We ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, even as I'm speaking this morning on reliance on you, I pray that you would empower me, you would fill my heart, mind, and mouth with your words. I pray for a teaching anointing to be here, Lord. I pray that you would open your words to us. I pray that you would strengthen my body, Lord God, and that you would have your way. We open our hearts to receive from you, not to hear what man is saying, but to hear what God is saying. And if you agree with that, you can say amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think was God's biggest idea for the redemption of man? What was God's biggest and only idea for the redemption of man? It was Jesus, right? It was Jesus, right? I'm going to read to you about the conception of Jesus. I'm reading Matthew 1, verse 18 to 22. This is God's biggest idea. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. For those of you who don't know, she wasn't yet married to Joseph. She was pledged to be married, i.e. she was like, like engaged. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Oops. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wasn't married, but the culture of the time that it was, yeah, it was tricky. So to, to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Isn't it interesting? There are a number of points in this passage of Scripture I'm going to touch on, but isn't it interesting that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit? So that is the first principle that I'm wanting us to look at because anything that is conceived in your life and mine needs to be from the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Yeah. It needs to be from the Holy Spirit. So is what is conceived in you from the Holy Spirit? Your dreams, your desires, your aspirations. What do you do for your hobbies? The things that you do are those things that you carry in your heart conceived by the Holy Spirit. First things first, we have to have these things conceived by the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The second thing that I love about this scripture is it's Mary was pregnant before they were married. Can you imagine that God's biggest idea, remember I said this is God's biggest idea, was surrounded by controversy because you know what mouths are like. I'm sure there were lots of people talking, she's pregnant, she's not married. Da, 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 da. Okay? God's biggest idea was surrounded by controversy. God appears to have little regard for the opinions of man. The circumstances surrounding the conception and birth of God's biggest idea were surrounded by malicious rumors and controversy. The Holy Spirit was the source of the conception, but people still spoke. The point is that when we have something in our hearts and in our lives that is conceived by the Holy Spirit, we need to know where it comes from so that when there's controversy and there are people that are backbiting, we can stand and we know, even if we stand alone, that it's from God. Amen. Okay. The Holy Spirit was the source of the conception, yet the situation could easily have been misunderstood by many people. Okay. Another thing that's interesting here is that the angel had to say to Joseph, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. How many of us have felt afraid when God has asked us to go in a specific direction or we, we know that he's calling us in a specific way and there's something we carry in our hearts that we struggle with fear? Amen. The angel said to, to Joseph, do not be afraid, i.e. God will have his way. When the Holy Spirit conceives a thing in us, we need to not be afraid. Something else that I love from the scripture is, it says, because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Whatever the Holy Spirit births in us, he knows its name, he knows its purpose, and he knows its time. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to, are you following me? Yes. Are you with me? I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking about whatever God has called you to remember that leadership is not only applied to someone with a title. Leadership applies to you if you have influence. So moms, in our homes, we are leaders. Husbands, you are leaders. If you have a group of friends, you're a leader. This applies to all of us. And when God puts a desire in our heart, no matter how big, no matter how small, if it is from Him, we need to not be afraid. We need to stand up and do it, even if it's surrounded by controversy, and trust that God knows its name, He knows its purpose, and He will be with us. Amen. Amen. Okay. Luke 1 verse 35. This is Luke's rendition. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The things that you are birthing, the things that God has called you to stand up and do, the things, your purpose, whatever it is when you reflect on your life, have they come from a place of being intimate with the Holy Spirit? Have they come from a place where you have been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit? Have they come from the Most High... Or have they come from a high place? You know the difference. Have they come from the most high king? Or have they come from that place of idolatry in our hearts? 
because they need to come from the most high, not from high places. High places are often linked to insecurity, are often linked to images that we're wanting to project of ourselves. We need to come to a place where we say, Lord, here I am. And worship not, doesn't just mean what I sing. Worship is about my whole life. Lord, here I am to worship. Take my mind, take my heart, take my time. Hello? Yes. All of me, what do you want out of me? Not you can have Sunday to do your thing when I'm in these four walls. But once I walk out of that door, Lord, then my time is my own. I don't know. It starts when we walk out from here. That's worship. This is easy worship. Singing, we've got a band, we've got other Christians. When we walk out of there, do we spend time with God? Are we intimate with the Holy Spirit? Because the world is not going to be reformed by four pastors or six pastors or a hundred pastors. It's going to be reformed when the church rises up and we all become reformers. And we all say, Lord, whatever you're calling me to, whether it's a business, whether it's... uh, um, whether it's schools and education, whether it's the, the justice arena, whatever it is, whatever you're calling me, Lord, overshadow me, Holy Spirit, birth the thing in me that you wanted to do. Amen. The world's only going to be changed when we all arise and we do this. We can't just say, well, it's the pastor's job. No, it's not. It's the pastor's job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. Right. So we all have got to be overshadowed by the Most High We've all got to allow the Holy Spirit to birth things in us. Okay, moving on to Luke 2, verse 1 to 7. It came to pass, I'm going to paraphrase, that a decree went out for Caesar Augustus that everyone should be registered. Now, they say that not mothers and children didn't have to go and be registered in their their hometowns and home places of uh, origin. It It was just the men that had to go. But here we see that Mary who was very heavily pregnant, went with Joseph to go and be registered um, in Bethlehem. And some people say that she probably went, even though it was inconvenient and she was very heavily pregnant, because she didn't want to remain behind. There were lots of mouths talking about her and stuff. She was heavily pregnant. They weren't married. So she went along with Joseph, even though she was very heavily pregnant. And when she was there, I'll pick it up in verse, around verse 7. So it was that while they were, they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. There was no room for them. Remember, this is God's number one plan for the redemption of man. And there's no room for them. There's no room for them. God's number one plan, there's no space for them at the inn. Have you ever felt like there's no space for my idea? There's no space for my business. There's just no... God, you put this in me, but I don't see where and I don't see how. There's no space. Well, guess what? You're in good company. There was no space for Jesus either. And he was God's number one plan. So just because there's no space or you can't see the way forward, it doesn't mean you're not God's number one option. He was like that with Jesus. There was no space for the birth of the Son of God But God still provided. And guess what? It was exactly how it had been prophesied to be. So it was how God wanted it to be. See, sometimes we see things a certain way. We don't see how God sees. You know? And I think we have to just say, Lord, teach me to see how you see. And teach me to see by faith. Teach me to step out, even if it doesn't feel right. Okay? The things birthed by the Holy Spirit are not always wrapped in glamour. 
They're not. And if we look by the natural eyes, we won't recognize them very often. The things by the birth, birth by the Holy Spirit are not always obvious to us, to the natural mind. In fact, they're sometimes contrary to our natural mind. When Paul and I got together, it was contrary to many, many people, including my parents' minds. Very contrary. If you look at us and you look at us with a natural mind in South Africa, you'd say, why? My parents were like, why are you doing that? Your children, and I won't say what they said, you know, but God has another plan. God had a bigger plan. And you know what? I couldn't have asked for better, and I'm glad I married him. But when we look with our natural eyes, we can sometimes miss the opportunity. So we need things in us need to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. I don't ever want to find myself in a place where I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Where I'm doing stuff without the Holy Spirit. Okay, the first thing need to be conceived. The second thing is that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was conceived and he was by the Holy Spirit and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. John 1, verse 32 to 34. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And this is God's chosen one. You see, in the Old Testament, if we look at Saul, if we look at Samson, if we look at a lot of men in the Old Testament, what would happen with the Holy Spirit is he would come down on men of God or women of God for a time, for a season, for a period, like for them to do something. Like I've got here um, in,1, in 1 Samuel 10, verse 10 to 11, when Saul went and he came into the presence of prophets and the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied. But then the Spirit of God lifted Samson, in Judges 14, verse 5 to 6, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart and then the Spirit lifted. So in the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit would come on people for a task, for a thing, and then lift. But we see in the New Testament, when Jesus comes along, that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in the form of a dove and remained on him. And we have that for us too, the Holy Spirit coming upon us and remaining upon us. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Now the Holy Spirit, I want to read Acts 10, verse 37 to 38. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. That's after Jesus was baptized. How God uh, baptized in water and the Holy Spirit came on him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how we went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Now my question this morning to us is, if God the Father needed to anoint Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power that he could go around doing good, healing the sick and all that, how much do you think that we need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit and his power? How much? How much if Jesus needed that, how much do we um, Luke 7 verse 22 says, Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John, tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cured, deaf hear, dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Guess whose ministry that was? Through Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit's ministry. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That was the Holy Spirit's ministry through Jesus. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to do all of that, and so do we. In John, um, are you with me? Yes. Okay. 
Jesus actually said that it was better for him to leave earth. Why? He said, it's better for me to go because then I'll ask the Father and he will send you an advocate. He will send you the Holy Spirit who's the Spirit of truth who will be with you always. So the thing is that Jesus was here, but he could be in one place. He was confined by his body. Amen. But he's saying, when I go up to the Father, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he will be with you always. The Holy Spirit is with each one of us always. And he's in us. Acts 1 verse 4 to 5, Jesus says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Luke 4 verse 14. Can I, can I just hit you with scripture? Yes. Can I do that? Okay, the word of God is alive, and with the word comes faith. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of of the Spirit. Luke 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You see, we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's purposes. Amen. We need the power of the Spirit in us to fulfill that Jesus did. And the thing is that if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, that's important. So if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, um, I'll, there'll be a, an altar call for you at the end of the service. But even once you've been baptized in the Spirit, that's filled with the Spirit. We still need to be filled regularly by communing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did that. I'm going to look at that. Mark uh, 1 verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Luke 5 verse 16, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus knew where his power came from. Do you know where your power comes from? Do you have power? <laughs> this is the first question. Hey? <laughs> do you have power? And then, do you know where it comes from? And do you sustain it? You don't have a peak once where you've had a week of prayer and fasting and you peak, but that's your peak for the whole year. And then you trough until next year your prayer and fasting happens. No, then we... Not very useful to God. Amen. Jesus knew where his power came from. And he knew that he needed to arise early and pray. He knew that he needed to withdraw and separate himself from people to renew himself in the Holy Spirit. Giving himself to the Holy Spirit could also conceive things of him. So the Holy Spirit could lead him and guide him. And Jesus operated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we also need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I've got a few examples here for you. Jesus operated in word of knowledge. Luke 5, verse 21 to 22. And if you want more uh, teaching on this, you can come and speak to us afterwards. I don't have time to go into this in depth. Word of knowledge. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God, uh, who, can who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus perceived their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. That's a word of knowledge, isn't it? He answered and he said, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? God used the gifts of the Spirit in Jesus' life to help him fulfill his purpose. And we need these too. An example of a word of wisdom. Matthew 22 verse 15 to 22. The Pharisees plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians. Okay, The, guy, the Herodians were the people who supported the current uh, structure the Roman rule. Okay, 
So this is interesting because the Pharisees were opposed to Roman rule and the Herodians supported it. But the Pharisees went and got the Herodians and said, come, we're going to trap Jesus. And they said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, nor do you, uh, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is they trying to trick him? Because if he'd said no, then the Herodians were there and he would have been tried for treason. Okay. Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me tax money. So they brought him a denarius and he said, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. He wanted to trap them. I mean, they wanted to trap him. But Jesus knew. And I think we need to, to do that. And he didn't. I don't, he, he wasn't cruel. He, you know, he just spoke the truth. Word of wisdom from God. Beautiful. And I've got an example of prophecy here in John 13, verse 21 to 26. When he says, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And then he points out that it will be Judas. He knew it was going to be. So Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit and enabled him to fulfill his purpose. And he relied on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit remained with him, remember, from his baptism. We also need that. We need to be baptized in the Spirit. We need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We need to regularly spend time in prayer and, and, and refresh ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Amen. Amen. Okay. So Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And what was the second point? And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Third one. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, verse 14 to 20. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the power. Now, the Spirit is not power, but power is part of the Spirit's nature. Okay? So he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the countryside. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. Remember that? That's where he was brought up. And on the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue. He was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he found the place where it was written this, and he reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Do you know what he was doing? He was claiming in front of everyone, I am the Messiah. That's what he was doing. That was a messianic prophecy that he was claiming for, for himself. And what did they try and do after that? They were like, wow, they were amazed. And then ultimately they tried to kill him and said he just slipped away. And isn't it interesting how um, he stood up and he declared who he was. And we'll look at this next week in terms of his identity. In the midst of his own family and friends who'd seen him grow up as a boy. You know, sometimes it's hardest there. Because people don't honor you, right? People don't see the gift of God in you. But Jesus was quoting Isaiah 61. He didn't care what they thought. He, and he said, I am anointed. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. What has God anointed you to? What has he anointed you to? Because he's anointed you to do something. And it's not what he's anointed me to do. What has God anointed you to do? Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. The anointing does not belong to us. The anointing doesn't belong to me. The anointing doesn't belong to you and it's not for us. It's for other people. 
What are you anointed to do? He was not afraid of misunderstanding. He did not feel threatened by the current regime or religious authorities. He was secure. He was just telling the truth and they tried to kill him. Have you ever felt like that? Like, guys, I'm just the messenger. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger, please. Yeah. Okay? But he still told the truth. He was anointed. He was secure in who he was and we got to be like that. So he was anointed. He was anointed to do something. What are you anointed to do? Led. He was also led. Now, before I can lead anyone, I want to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. How about you? Yeah. Do you want to lead people just where you feel like you, you think you should go? No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I, I don't want to waste my time. I want to be led by God and then I can lead other people. Okay? Right. So, I'll give you some examples about how God led Jesus and how Jesus was led. Luke 4 verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Where? Sorry? Into the wilderness. Wow. So God can lead people into difficult places. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days, what? He was tempted by the devil. God can really lead his people into tricky places. Now, God doesn't tempt, but he can allow us to be tempted, okay? Jesus was led into a challenging situation. Have we sold, I said this last week, have we sold a cheap gospel? Have we sold a gospel where you say, come up here, pray the sinner's prayer, Jesus become, um, you know, king of my heart, I repent, and everything will be fine in your life, and God will prosper you. Because God can lead us into difficult places, Okay, God allowed and required Jesus, his son, to undergo incredible pain and suffering at the cross because of his love for you and I. Maybe, perhaps, he might lead us into tricky situations where we will also have to sacrifice. Possibly, using logic. Am I correct? Yeah. You know, I've heard a number of people recently saying in Christian circles, yeah, it feels so right, it feels so good, it must be God. And I'm horrified. <laughs> I'm horrified. No, I'm sure Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane didn't say, it feels so right, it feels so God, yes. No, he was saying, God, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. See, sometimes we need to be led by the Spirit and not led by our feelings because our feelings are inaccurate indicators of reality. They are, they're inaccurate. They'll always be inaccurate. We always have to... Subject, put our feelings through the, the, the filters of the Word of God. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and we know that's where he overcame temptation. The second example of Jesus being led by the Spirit is in John 2, where um, the Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now bear in mind that the guys went up to Jerusalem almost every year. Okay, for the Passover. So he'd been in Jerusalem for most of his life over the Passover and he'd seen the temple and the, the people selling things in, the, in, the, in the, the temple for most of the years of his life. And I'm sure it irked him for most of the years of his life. But this time, Jesus knew something was different. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. They'd been there all the other times he'd been to the temple. But this time... Jesus made a whip of cords and drove them from the temple with the sheep and the oxen. 
And he poured out the money changers' money, overturned the tables, and he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. That's what he said. And the Jews, the religious authorities, were very upset. And they said, what sign do you show us since you do these things? Who are you? Who do you think you are doing these things? Very upset because they gained financially from, from this. So Jesus was led by the Spirit because this was when his ministry started. And he knew that. Do you know your times and seasons? You know, sometimes we can, in our experience, in our life, we've been in a ministry and God will put a blueprint on, on our hearts for what he's calling us to do. And it starts to burn and it starts to burn, but we still under someone else's authority. But it starts to burn and it starts, and we start to feel pinched and we start to feel like we have to squeeze into something that we don't fit into. But the time isn't right. See, what is your time? What is the blueprint that God has given you? What things frustrate you? What things irritate you? What things, because those are often indicators of our calling. What things do we struggle with? And if God has given you a blueprint, when is it for? Is it for now or is it for later? Is it for where you're at in your business or in wherever you are? Or is it for another time? Jesus knew his times and seasons. Jesus knew when it was time to, okay, now it's time to drive these people out of my father's house. Okay? Has God placed something in your heart that is for another time? Or is it for now? We need to understand times and seasons. We need to be led by the Lord. Sometimes God can speak. So, How many of you have had so many words spoken over you? You kind of think, when is all of that going to happen? When is all of that going to happen? Yes. But you know what? There are times and seasons in God. And sometimes something will happen now. Maybe something will happen later. Maybe a whole lot will happen after that. We don't know. But it's our job just to stand in faith, to receive it, if we believe it's from God, and say, yes, Lord, I'll stand on this and I'll wait for you to bring it to fruition. Another example of Jesus being led by the Spirit. I love studying the life of Jesus. He just didn't fit in any mold. I really like that. Okay, the Samaritan woman at the well. So Jesus has been baptizing in Judea. This is from John 4. John's the only gospel that records this. Jesus has been baptizing in Judea and he hears of John the Baptist's arrest and things are getting a bit heated up with the religious authorities in that area in Judea. And so he decides to go back to Galilee. Now, the guys would usually travel around Samaria, the Jews, to get back to Galilee because the Jews and the Samaritans were rivals. They had long-standing feud about holy sites of worship and so on and so forth. And it wasn't the done thing for the Jews and the Samaritans to talk and to rub shoulders, okay? So John says, Jesus, John 4 verse 4, had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Isn't that interesting? Jews didn't usually go through Samaria, but Jesus had to. Why? He was compelled by the Spirit to go through Samaria. Are you being compelled by the Spirit to go into places that other people wouldn't naturally go? Are you being compelled to go somewhere that you don't, you don't want to go? We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Jesus' encounter took place at the sixth hour, which was midday. Now the, Jew, the, the Samaritan woman, when they would come out to draw water at the well, they would come in the early, early morning or in the late evening when it was cool. And they would come in groups. But this woman came alone. And she came at midday. Which, which some scholars say is because she probably was not particularly popular with the other woman, okay, because of her lifestyle. 
Okay, so she came out. Number one, Jesus was going to Samaria. Number two, he comes to a well at midday, and there's a Samaritan woman there. She shouldn't be there at midday. Number three, he chooses to speak to her. Okay, he's speaking to someone that was taboo to speak to. He started the conversation, and then he gave her a word of knowledge. Isn't that beautiful? He starts the conversation. He gives her a word of knowledge. Guess what happens out of this conversation? Revival breaks out in that little town. If you're going to read the whole of John 4, revival broke out. Now, is God leading you somewhere that you would rather not go in your natural mind? Is God calling you to speak to someone that you would rather not talk to? What should you be saying that you're not saying? Is God leading you to a people group that you don't feel naturally drawn to? What conversations does God want you to start? What conversations does God want you to have? My question is, I'm just wanting to say, where is God leading us? Where, because of our cultural and our prejudice mindsets, we, we closed to it. But God wants to lead us out of that. We need to be led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit to speak to the Samaritan woman. And she ends up being a key part, uh, playing a key part in, in, in the whole city, basically, experiencing revival. The fifth thing that Jesus was by the Holy Spirit was that he was enabled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be enabled by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9 verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? How much more than will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God. Do you not think that when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane about to be offered, that he did not need the enablement of the Holy Spirit to go through with that? He needed the enablement of the Holy Spirit to go through with the crucifixion. He needed it. And it says, Hebrews 9 tells us that he was enabled by the Holy Spirit. What is God enabling you to do in this season? What should you be relying on God to enable you to do? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Is God enabling you to finish something that you've started? Some of us find it easy to start things, not as easy to finish things. Is God enabling you to finish things? Is he enabling you to start something? Is, it, is he enabling you just to show up? Just to show up. It's Sunday morning, I'm not feeling good. God, just help me get out of bed and show up. Yes, he can enable us to show up. Is he enabling you to love someone unlovable? To love someone unlovable. I've had that experience. A number of those experiences. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to teach me how to love people. <laughs> you think, God, you know what? I'm going to choose to love even though I really don't think they deserve it. Well, guess what? I don't deserve God's love either. But anyway, I'm going to choose to love them. Holy Spirit, enable me to do so. Minister even in tiredness. Maybe he's going to enable you to be kind, to pray for someone. Maybe he wants to enable you to operate in gifts of the Spirit or perform miracles or bring healing to someone's life. Maybe he's going to enable you to bring a blueprint and to speak before kings. Maybe he's going to enable you to speak out. Or maybe it's to pray or to give you a prophetic word to stand on. But what is the Holy Spirit wanting to enable you to do? Because you're important and you're significant and God has something for you and only you can do it. No one else can do it. Now, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a funny story here. One of our sons, you know when we, on Sunday sometimes we end up, we hear early, 
and we leave late because you know sometimes we have to lock up sometimes there's meetings sometimes whatever so my son you know one of my sons he says uh, said to me i think it was last year or sometime he said mom why do we always why do you always leave so late you know why can't we just go home straight after the service you know why why do we have to stay on you know it's boring he's already been here for two he's honest you know i, li I like that about him so i just said you know what samuel when you're the pastor you arrive first you serve the people you leave last and no one thanks you. And that's how it is. It is. It is. It's, that's what it's like. But I don't do it for you. I do it for God. And God enables me to do it. Amen. And I love you. I don't not love you. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, when you do something week in, week out, week in, week out, at some point we need the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need the enablement of the Holy Spirit to have a good attitude toward your boss. Or to show up at your workplace and change the atmosphere with your prayers. Amen. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to enable you to do? I love the scripture, Romans 8 verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. In who? Say living. Say in me. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you and in me. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. If we saved and if we filled with the spirit, the Holy Spirit is living in us. And I love this scripture. If I'm sick and I've been struggling, with, I haven't been feeling well for the past few days. I say, Lord, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in me. I speak healing to my body. Amen. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. What area of your life needs the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is living in you. Are there dreams? Are there desires? Are there relationships? Are there goals? Are there things that the Lord wants to resurrect in your life? What areas in the lives of the people around you does God want you to tap into this power and say, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you. Come on, let's bring resurrection life to those around me. What areas in your workplace, in your family, in your nation, in your continent, in your domain, the domain that you call to, health, science, and technology, education, the legal system, business, whatever it is, politics, government, what areas did God want to use you to bring resurrection power? Because I can tell you this, that you will not be able to do it on your own. You will not be able to do it on your It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how brilliant you are intellectually, cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it on my own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he did. He needed the, the Holy Spirit to enable him to go through and to complete his purpose and his mission. How much more do we need the Holy Spirit? Amen. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was enabled by the Holy Spirit. And he had the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. He experienced it in his life. We also need all of these things. Amen. Now Jesus experienced all of these and could do all of these as he submitted his life to the will of the Father. And I'm wanting to pray for us this morning concerning these things. How many of us, how many of you would like to say, yes, Lord, I want to have ideas conceived by you. I want to be anointed, empowered, enabled, led by you, the Holy Spirit. I want to experience your power in and through my life. How many of you would say that about yourself this morning? Yes. Okay. So if that's you, you can just stand to your feet and I'm going to pray a prayer. 
But before that, I just want to ask, is there anyone here who is not baptized in the Spirit? I couldn't go to teaching regarding baptism in the Spirit, but it, something jumped out at you and you would like to know more about that. Can you just raise your hand for me? Is there anyone here? Okay. Okay. So let's raise our hands to the Lord. Let's just present ourselves before God our Father. Lord, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that Jesus was 100% submitted to your will. And in that place, he was led, conceived, anointed, empowered, enabled by the Holy Spirit. He experienced the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, this morning we present ourselves before you and we ask, Lord, for more of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we cry out this morning that you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would sharpen us, that you would help us to be led more and more by the Holy Spirit. Lord, even if it means going to places that we wouldn't have gone, speaking to people we wouldn't have ordinarily spoken to. Father, we ask this morning that you would conceive in our hearts ideas from you, Holy Spirit. You would conceive these things, ideas, dreams, desires, you would break forth new life, Lord God, from our spiritual womb, from you, Holy Spirit. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, that you would anoint us, that you would show us what you're empowering and anointing us to do. Pray that you would give each person here a clear picture, Lord, that you would clarify the picture of what it is that you've anointed us to do. The anointing to do, not the anointing to enjoy and feel good. The anointing to do, Lord. Pray that you would make it clear to us this morning. Father, we ask in this church that we would walk in greater levels of your anointing. We would walk, even as we walk out that door, we would be God carriers. We would be glory dispensers. We would be Holy Spirit carriers, Lord. We pray that you would raise us up to be, uh, to be reformers in this nation, on this continent, Lord God. And wherever you take us in the world, we want to be those who are so sensitive to you, Holy Spirit. And we invite you to come and have your way with us. We submit ourselves to your will. Lord, in your word you say you resist the proud and you give grace to the humble. This morning we humble ourselves before you. And we say, Lord, we need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit. We don't want to try and do things without you, Lord. And we thank you for this gift of the Holy Spirit this morning.